We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. I love series preaching. And today I'm going to start a new series about the glory, the glory of God. I believe sometimes we mystify that. We, we make it such an abstract, spiritual, theological concept that we don't think we can grasp what it actually is. If I were to ask you today, what is the glory of God in your perception, in your understanding, I'm sure I would get as many different answers as there were people. And so for the next few Sundays, I don't know where it's going to stop. It'll be like the belief series. You know, the belief series I had was four Sundays and wound up being 12 or 14 weeks. But today I want to start a new series, The Sound of Glory is the title of the message today. The Sound of Glory. We hear lots of sounds, don't we, today? I like starting every series with a foundational understanding. So let me give you this foundational understanding. When God created Adam and Eve, created this cosmos, Everything was the way God wanted it to be. Adam and Eve sinned, caused separation. Because of that separation, we find in the book of Psalms, we find it again, and I'll read a passage in the New Testament today. When Adam and Eve sinned, they lost the glory of God. Adam and Eve were crowned with glory when they were created. But when they sinned, they lost the glory of God. So when God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to come back into this world, this cosmos, He sent Him back to reestablish the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. He came back to restore the glory of mankind to mankind. We today should be crowned with glory as men and women of God. We should understand the glory of God. We should understand how it works, what it is. Because if we don't understand it, then we cannot take full advantage of the benefits of being children of God. There's lots of benefits that come with being a child of God. And I have been convinced through all of my ministry that none of us have ever taken full advantage of it. We, we take a little advantage. We, we go through the door. We get saved. It's, it's the door of salvation. We walk through. Get into the house. But a lot of us just stand in, in, at the entrance. We don't know how to go through the house and enjoy all the benefits. And so today I want to talk about how that God sent His Son to restore glory Back to mankind. So if you have your Bibles, have your phones, whatever it's on, turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 18 and following, it says this. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the expectation of creation waits for the children of God to be revealed. So creation is waiting. Creation has an eager expectation for us to be revealed. 
For the creation was subjected to frustration. At the sin of Adam, creation was subjected to frustration because of the sin. Not by its own choice, but by the will of the one, Adam, who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. So creation is waiting for the glory to be revealed. Verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, not only is creation groaning, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. We groan, we're waiting, we cry out. The Revelation writer John said, we cry out, even so come Lord quickly, right? I can't wait till I have a glorified body. Can't wait for that. I can't wait till all of the glory of God is revealed in all of us. But right now while we're living, Jesus came back to restore glory that Adam lost for us to live in right now. There's a glory that we're going to experience when we have been translated from corruptible to incorruptible. But there's a glory that we are to live in right now in the glory of God while we are here on earth. Adam ruled. When he was created by God, God put him in the garden and he said, I want you to have dominion over everything. And Adam ruled the same way that God ruled. How does God rule? With His words. Every time God wanted something to happen, He spoke. Let there be light. He spoke. And creation took form. Adam was put in the same position of authority. Made a little lower. We'll talk about that. But God crowned him with glory and gave him the authority to rule with his words. He spoke. Adam spoke. And things happened. Okay? He was operating just like God. There, there was no chaos, no flooding, no earthquakes, no drought, no hurricanes. He was operating in the glory of God. Glory, there's a word used in the Old Testament, Shekinah, which means it has weight to it. God's glory has a weight to it. It has an authoritative value to it. And as men and women of God, we are to operate in authority. Now, I want you to get this as a foundational message. We were at an intersection on vacation. The lights were flashing red in all four directions. But there was a man dressed in a uniform with a car with lights on it that had authority. It didn't matter that the lights were flashing red. What mattered was what he told you to do. He would point at a car and tell it to go this way, and it would go. He would point at this car and tell it to stop, and it would stop. Why? He had authority. Now, if I were to go out in that intersection in what I was wearing on vacation, 
and get out in the middle and do this, I'm going to get run over. Because I do not have that authority. But the policeman in uniform had authority. And we obey his authority. Okay? I want you to get this. Adam had authority, but when he sinned, he lost the glory, the authority that he had. And because of that, the grounds were cursed. All of the elements, all of creation was cursed. Adam and Eve were separated. Adam no longer could speak and things happened. Now he had to work by the sweat of his brow to get the same things accomplished that he used to could just speak and it would happen. Now he's having to work physically at it and because of that, he lost the authority of his word. Jesus came back. How did he operate? With his words. He spoke to storms and they were called. He spoke to sickness and it left. He spoke to those who were blind and deaf and mute. And they were able to see and hear and speak. He even spoke to the dead and they came back to life. He did not do it by, by chanting and jumping around and, and the, the Baal prophets cutting themselves. He didn't do all that. He spoke with his authority because he operated in the glory of God. He had authority. We need to understand what the glory is in our lives today. The Word is so important that when God came to earth in the personified person of Jesus Christ, He was called the Word. The Word. Logos. I am the Word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but I, the Word, will stand forever. So words are how Adam operated, how Jesus operated, how God operated. Adam lost it when he sinned. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. But there is a place where someone has testified. Now this writer is about to quote a song. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, a son of man that you care for him? You made him a little more than the angels, you crowned them with what? Glory and honor. And put everything under their feet. So when God created them, He gave them honor and glory, power, authority, put everything under their feet. When it says here that He created man a little lower than the angels, that Hebrew word is not angel, angelos in the Greek, but it is Elohim, which is God. So God created mankind just a little lower than God. We are a created being higher than angels. But just a little lower than God. So you have God, the supreme creator. You have us, and then you have angels. That is the hierarchy. God deals with hierarchy. He deals with authority. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. God wants us to live this life 
crowned with glory. Right here, right now. He wants us to be able to live. We are not of this world, even though we are in this world. Is that correct? We are aliens. So we do not operate according to this kingdom's principles, but we operate according to the kingdom of God. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, so that the world through Him might be saved. That word world means cosmos. You see, God loved everything He created. He didn't just love mankind. He loved everything. So whenever He sent Jesus back, He sent Him back so that everything could be restored back to the way He created it. Not just mankind, but all of creation itself. To where the lion lays down by the lamb. To where the children can pick up the snakes and they don't bother them. To where everything is working in harmony instead of being antithetical toward each other. God wants that to come back to where He started it. So He sent Jesus to bring the kingdom of God on earth now. So that's why we tithe, right? That's a kingdom principle. It's not an earthly principle. People of this earth, people who live according to worldly principles, will not understand why we tithe. They don't understand why you go to church every Sunday. They don't understand why you pray and read the Bible. Because their mindset is not of kingdom principle. Their mindset is of this world. So when God created us, He created us a little lower than the angels. Now let me give you some illustrations of what I'm talking about. Elijah was a man who operated in the spirit of God. Elijah. In this point I'm trying to make, Elijah and the whole nation is experiencing a drought. There's a drought. Everything is burnt up. There's no water. There's sickness, disease, famine. I mean, it is devastating. And everybody is talking about a drought. I mean, if you were to look into some conversation, it goes something like this. Hey, hey, how you doing, Bob? I'm doing good. Well, another day without rain. Yeah. How many is that now? Well, it's hot, isn't it? Sure would be nice if we had a good heavy dew one morning. Sure would be nice. Do, do you remember whenever we used to have water? Remember when it used to rain? See, they're all talking about the drought. They're all talking about the symptoms of the drought. Why? Because it's what they saw. They looked around and they saw drought. They looked around and they saw famine. They saw sickness. They saw diseases. Elijah was a man who operated in the spirit. He did not hear what everybody else was saying. Here's what he said. While everyone else is talking about drought, Elijah says, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. When everybody else is talking drought, he hears something that they don't hear. He begins to have faith. You see, I've realized that the greatest determinant against faith is not doubt. The greatest determinant against faith is sight. We look around and our faith gets destroyed because of what we see. What you see and faith are oftentimes contradicting each other. 
Elijah wasn't looking at what he saw. He was looking by faith operating in the glory of God. He said, all of you guys are talking about drought. That's a symptom. But I know a source that can fix all the symptoms, and that is rain. And God can bring the rain. And I hear the sound of the abundance of rain when everybody else was hearing, well, I've got problems. If you want to hear about problems, just hang around people for a little while. Right? Well, I'll tell you what, times are tough. Boy, I'll tell you what, uh, my job hadn't had a raise in three months. People think they ought to get a raise all the time. I hadn't had a raise in three months. And I'll tell you what, I'm having to work 40 hours a week now. Isn't that crazy? And they talk, oh, yeah, my house, this is leaking, that's leaking, the roof needs fixing, the cars need fixing, uh, everything's going wrong. And, and, hey, I didn't notice gas was down. Anybody talking about the price of gas? It's gotten cheap while I left. I need to go away again. Gas will get cheaper. I didn't hear anybody talking about that, but they'll talk about it when it's $3 a gallon. Yeah. It's bad. It's bad. Look at Proverbs chapter 12, verse 6. But the speech of the upright rescues them. I want you to begin to understand what the sound of glory sounds like. It's going to be in our words. The Bible says that His word will not return void. His word. Creation's frustrated. The cosmos is frustrated. Everything is created is frustrated. And so God sends His Son, Jesus Christ, to come back and restore the glory back to mankind. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Elijah says, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Have you ever been in a bad situation? Anybody? Anybody in a bad situation today? Raise your hand. I got a bad situation in my I'm going to be honest. If you're in a drought, you got to admit I'm in a drought. Okay? I want to talk to a few hyperfaith people today because I don't believe in hyperfaith. I don't believe that if I'm in a drought, I got to deny that I'm in a drought. I don't believe in that. I believe you have to acknowledge I'm in a drought. I have, you have to acknowledge, you know what? I do have cancer. You have to acknowledge, hey, we are broke. I have people tell me, oh, I need to take your, take your wallet and shout to God, I'm not broke, I'm not broke, I'm not broke. But I am. It's okay to look around and see reality. But what are you hearing? What are you hearing? Are you hearing only what is seen? Or are you beginning to hear what God is speaking into your hearts? I think we need to hear somebody say something like this. Hey, go find me a cloud somewhere. I need a cloud. It doesn't have to be big. I don't need much to hold on to, but somebody find me a cloud. Somebody give me a word that I can hold on to in the middle of this problem. Somebody give me something that will stand when everything else is falling. Somebody give me something that I can hold on to that's going to get me through this drought. Because you know what? I hear the sound in the abundance of rain. My faith says it's about to pour out. I'm getting ready for the day of pouring out of the mighty glory of God. I want to hear that. I want to hear somebody giving me good news instead of constantly talking about how bad it is. Look at 
Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the Word of God is alive. It's not just something on a page. It's alive and it's active. Isn't that exciting? The Word is alive. It is active. It is doing something. Hallelujah. It's powerful. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing the soul and the spirits. Joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Look at this. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him whom we must give an account. So don't, don't stand there and tell God you're not broke. He's going, I see you are broke. Don't stand there and say, I don't have sickness. You do. God sees you have sickness. We're not supposed to walk around denying everything. Deal with the truth. Absolutely. This is a reality. Everything is laid bare. Verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what? Faith. Faith that we profess. There's a lot of professing, but not a whole lot of holding on to. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. He empathizes with us. He's right there with you. I know. I know you're hurting. I know it's bad. I've been there. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And here's what it tells us. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with what? Confidence. We don't walk in there going, well, oh God, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. Oh God, I know that you're busy and I know that I'm not to nobody, I'm a nothing. I think he would just like to slap you. I would not want my daughter or my son or any of their family walking in my front door and go, oh, Dad, I know, I know we're not worthy of coming to the house. Would, would you please, please let us come in the house? What? Get in here. You're my kid. They don't even hardly knock on the door. Walk in. Start grabbing stuff out of the refrigerator. Changing the channel on my TV. What are you doing? Because they know they're my kids, they have authority to a certain level in my house. But if I really want to watch what I was watching, I'm going to turn it back and tell them, don't change the channel. Because this is my house. And God has a house and we, we, we approach Him with confidence. Not in pride. Not look how holy I am. But we approach with confidence because He's our Father. And we walk in and says this, we approach with confidence so that we may receive mercy, find grace to help us in our time of need. I've got needs. You have needs. We need to walk into God's presence and say, hey, Dad, Abba Father, you know everything's laid bare. You know what I'm going through. I love it when the guy in the Old Testament brought the letter that had been written to him about them going to kill him. He just brings the letter in and lays it all out to you and goes, look what they're saying. <laughs> they're going to kill me. You've got to be honest. But I want to find mercy and I want to find grace and I want to have authority 
get over my situation. I need this to be resolved. I don't need to continue to have a drought. I need a cloud somewhere. I need a word somewhere. I need something that's going to sustain me. Look at verses 18 through 21. Against all hope. Anybody ever been there? Abraham in hope. It wasn't what he saw. Because what he saw was a 100 year old man and a 90 year old woman. But in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be. Verse 19. Without weakening in his faith. Now was his faith because what he saw? No. Was it because of what he heard? No. Because he heard his wife laughing. <laughs> I'm going to have a baby. I'm not a year old. That's what he was hearing. But he did not weaken in his faith. He faced the fact that's what we're supposed to do. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. And then, I hope they don't write anything like that about me. Everybody gets to read this stuff. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. He faced that fact. Yet, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Now verse 21, if you don't have this highlighted, underlined, asterisks all around it, exclamation points, fireworks going off around it, you need to. Verse 21, and being fully persuaded, zero room for doubt, zero room for sight, fully persuaded that God had the power. How do you believe God has power today? He believed that God had the power to do what He had promised He would do. What would happen today if some men and women of God all of a sudden became fully persuaded? I am fully persuaded, Pastor, that God has the power to do what His Word says He will do. We would have a church like you wouldn't believe. But sometimes we get looking around. My body's good as dead. The bills are piling up. I'm, I've got cancer. My back is out. And listen, I've been there. God's son's been there. But he says, I've got the power. I've got the authority. And I'm giving you glory right now. You begin to operate like I operate by the power of the word of God. It will not return void. What have I promised you? What did I promise you? Do you not believe that I have the power to do it? That's the key. Are we fully persuaded that God has the power to do what He has promised He will do? Abraham faced the facts. Yet his faith never wavered. I'm 100. She's 90. Womb is dead. I'm good as dead. Let's give it a shot. And boy, did they ever. They had a whole bunch of kids. It's 
context forever? No. The word is what? Sharp, active, alive. It is ready to act when we take action on it. Unless we do anything, it will just sit there. What we see around you will often contradict what you hear in you. Write that down. What you see around you will often contradict what you hear in you. Elijah, he was a leader. He wasn't looking at the symptoms. He was looking to the source. Abraham, he wasn't looking solely at the facts of his age, but he was looking that God has the power to do what he's promised. The problem today is not the famine. The problem today is not that we're old. The problem today is we are not fully persuaded. Nor do we understand the authority that God has given to us to act upon the Word of God. We are to operate with our words. Again, let me give caution to the hyper-faith people. That doesn't mean we walk out of here and go, I just claim a Cadillac, hallelujah. No, no, no. What we're talking about is when there's a sickness, what did God's Word say? He has the power to heal it. That's right. And I'm fully persuaded of that. And that's why we have oil up here in this church. And that's why we have the, the elders come and anoint with oil and pray the prayer of faith. Faith. Because what we see and what we hear often will contradict what the Word says. Remember when he went to the, the house of the little girl who had died? Everybody saw the little girl who was dead. Jesus saw what? She's just sleeping. Let me go in and wake her up. We are beginning to understand that the glory of God has a different sound to it. The glory of God is not talking about all the symptoms, but the sound of glory is talking about the source. Yes, we're broke. But God has promised that the righteous will never be forsaken. And nor their seed will ever beg for bread. God's word has promised me that I will never be forsaken. I will never be left alone. God's word has promised me that even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even in that moment, he is right there with me, walking me through that so that terror is not a part of my life. I have promises from God. As a child of God, I come boldly into the throne room of God with confidence, not in myself, but confidence in him. I am confident that God is able to fully do what He has promised He said He will do. The problem is we don't get persuaded. We don't get confirmed in our faith. We begin to look around and go, man, those are big waves. The boat's going down, boys. Hey, even if the boat goes down, Paul said, don't jump ship. Hang on to something. What are you hanging on today? Are you hanging on to your job? 
Are you hanging on to a government check? Are you hanging on to your spouse? Are you hanging on to grandma because grandma, when she prays, things happen, but when I pray, nothing happens? What are you holding on to today? What are, what are you firmly standing on today? What are your words sounding like today? Elisha said, hey, I hear the sound, and it's not of the symptoms, but I hear the sound of the source because rain will fix everything. I'm hearing today God beginning to say, I want to pour out my glory upon you. But you've got to be fully persuaded that I can do what I said I will do. That I will keep my promises. They are yes and amen. He does not waver. Our eyes see symptoms. Our faith needs to see source. I grew up in the country. Mississippi. Way out in the country. When the sun goes down, it's dark. We know what dark is. I mean dark. Can't breathe dark. My dad raised beagles for hunting. They were trained dogs that, that men in those days, even back in the late 60s, early 70s, they would come and buy his dogs for $800,000, $1,500 for a dog back then. But these dogs were not kept in a pen. These dogs did not come in our house because they were hunting dogs. They were country dogs. They could go anywhere and do anything. But when my dad went outside and he called their name, guess what? Every one of those dogs did, no matter what they were doing, they came right to him. My sheep know my voice. God has the authority. And He is crowning you with authority as children of God. Jesus came back and He said, I came back to restore the kingdom of God on earth until we get to heaven. Not for showmanship, not for calling things out and all that. Not for that. But when we have real life situations and needs, when we cannot achieve whatever we need done in our own abilities, there were times we needed more money. I could do some of that with my ability. I went and doubled, took a double shift, got more money. I would do whatever it took. But when it gets to the end of me, what am I saying? What are you saying? What kind of sounds are you listening to today? Is it the sound of the symptoms? Or is it the sound of the word of God, the source? We can look all day and find things to complain about. Every one of us can. Because life is tough. It's hard. It is not easy to live in this world today. Especially as a Christian. So what do we do? We get to where we're fully persuaded. I'm looking for a church today that begins to step out and say, I am fully persuaded, Pastor, that God has the power to do what He promised He would do. 
I am that person. I am that person, Pastor, that I am fully persuaded that against all hope, just like Abraham, against all hope, against all sight, against all my feelings, against all the realities of this checkbook and the doctors and all that, against all that, I am fully persuaded that God has the power to do what He promised to do. And I stand not on the word of men, and I stand not on the words of the economy, and I stand not on the things of this world, but I stand upon that which cannot be shaken. I stand upon the word of God. I stand upon His word because it is sharp, it is active, it is alive. It is powerful. God is calling us today, church. I spent the last few weeks praying and saying, God, what do you want to say to the church? And he's saying, I'm calling you to come into the glory. I'm calling you to be able to come and, and to pray with such power and authority that you begin to see things moving in your life and in other people's lives. That you begin to, to see how that your words and your faith against all hope and against all sight and against all the feelings and against all the doubt and all those things, that against all of that, you begin to see things beginning to shift and move because of your operating in my glory. Message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.